0: Episode 43, I'm your host, Brian Williams.
1: I am Adam Caesar.
0: I'm Stephen Embry. And today we are discussing DS9's seventh season episodes, Take Me Out to the Holosuite, Chrysalis, "Treasury," Faith, and the Great River, and Once More Unto the Breach. Here we go. Oh.
2: Take Me Out to the Hollow Suite, Season 7, Episode 4, Production Number 554. Original air date October 21st, 1998. Written by Ronald D. Moore, directed by Chip Chalmers, music composed by David Bell. Guest cast include Max Gordanchik as Rom, Aaron Eisenberg as Nog, Gregory Wagrowski as Solok, Chase Masterson as Lita, and Penny Johnson as Cassidy Yates.
1: Vulcan Captain Sulek brings his starship to Deep Space Nine for, re- for repairs from combat skirmishes. Convinced his all-Vulcan crew is the finest in the fleet, he challenges former classmate and longtime rival, Cisco to a game of baseball in the holosuite. With only two weeks to whip his team into shape, Cisco vows he's going to beat Sulek. Even though Jake is the only other person residing on the station who has ever played baseball.
0: I fail to see why you are celebrating.
2: Frankie's bunt was an accident, and you still lost the game. You are absolutely right, and I couldn't be happier. Quark, a round of drinks for the house on my tab.
0: I'm way ahead, Jeff. Okay. Now, a couple of our listeners have commented on, I think, on our Facebook page, um, and uh, I've just read things over the years from other people. Star Trek fans, there are Star Trek fans that don't like this episode. Please tell mm. me that I, I don't understand why they don't. I love this episode. I think it's awesome.
1: It's so much fun. Am I nuts? No, I, the, the only problem I ever I had with this episode, I thought the ending was a little cynical, but I thought it was a fun, fun episode. I thought it would have been cool to see them in do- practice in Dodger Stadium, but that, well, the logistics of that might have been difficult.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't think they could afford that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, well you know, for me as a Trek yeah, fan, yeah, Steve, you're baseball, you're, a, you're our baseball aficionado here, so. Yeah. Yeah, as a baseball fan and a Trek fan, uh, you know, I'm, I'm so happy this episode exists. Um, <laughs> the o- the only thing I could think of why some people say they don't care for it would be, you know, there are a number, you know, I, I follow a couple of sports primarily and a lot of other sports I don't follow. And I would certainly find something, you know, that was with one of those sports that I don't follow, if it was focused on that, I might find it a little irrelevant. So maybe oh. it's just people not into baseball or, or something, baseball. you know. yeah.
1: Okay. Well, it didn't, well, I think it. You know, it's not like it's a big shocker. It's not like the baseball thing came out of the blue. They've they've had baseball quite a yeah. bit in this whole series. You know, he keeps a ball on his um, desk, and it's become very symbolic from time to time. So um, I thought it was just a kind of a fun way to show, um, show, you know, show the love of baseball and why Cisco loves it and that kind of thing. I mean, it was it was used in the very first episode to explain, you know, linear time. Linear so, time
0: to the prophets. Yeah. Well, so, the other yeah. thing that's nice about this episode is that it, it we've talked about this sort of thing, too, uh, is that it comes at a nice point in the show. You know, we've had yeah, before this, we've had like the first two episodes of season seven are pretty heavy, a lot going on, a lot of big story arc narrative things happening. And then, you know, that third episode was really the episode that gets Esri stationed there. And, you know, some of that stuff she goes through. And obviously the end of season six was heavy. So. This is, I can't imagine a more lighthearted episode uh, in a perfect spot. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no and nobody's nobody's gonna no ship is gonna explode uh, if they don't make a, hit a home run. Right? <laughs> no, it's 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 great. It's really it's just it's it's such a pleasant episode. It, there are so many moments that put a smile on my face. Um, uh, first one that pops into mind is is. Odo as the umpire, like, practicing hmm. in his office. <laughs> you
2: know?
0: That's great. And I I can see... I, I don't know. I guess I can see what you're saying, Steve. If, if somebody's... You know... I mean, We're not necessarily saying if somebody hates baseball, but if somebody's just not into the sport um, and they're like, why is there baseball in my Star Trek? I guess I could see that. And, you know, all three of us like baseball. So... And that's an understatement for Steve. So... Uh, I guess we're not going to really be able to comment on on that because we like this episode. So, you know, our listeners, you guys like to you know definitely let us know if is that the reason that you don't like it? Um, I'm happy to talk about that, uh, to mention that next time.
2: Um, Um. At the same time, and we'll get to it. I mean, I think it's it's totally different, you know, separate from everything else going on in the show. You know, it's not. um, But at the same time, I do think it has something to say, which we'll get to, you know. So I think it has value, you know, not only is it funny. There, there is something to say, too, you know, so. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so
0: before we get to that, um, let's see. The, the wharf stuff is very funny There's not much oh, of it, yeah. but it is a couple of lines. Make me <laughs> laugh out loud. <laughs> we, we, <laughs> death to the opponent. Yeah, yeah, death did <laughs> 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 Batter, batter, swing batter, death to the opponent. Uh, death, to the, death to the opposition. Oh, there you go. That's pretty funny. Um, I tell you, you know what? Here's something I love. I love seeing the L-Cars interface with baseball stuff on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> somebody <laughs> saved that one. Yeah, somebody saved that one, I'm sure. But, um, it's very funny, the, uh, the the practice stuff, watching them play. They're so terrible. I love watching Rom like, throw the ball and then run and grab it and then throw it again. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is based loosely on... Uh, Ira Bear did an episode of Fame... Uh, he wrote an episode of fame a few years earlier and they had a lot of the same gags, uh, like the running, like, uh, Nog not knowing, um, who to tag that was in the fame episode. Um, there's some other stuff that he borrowed from there, like, uh, yeah, um, the ending and, and things and uh, some of the stuff in the ending, like when, what, what, uh, Nog does or Rom does, excuse me. Um, but he he didn't he didn't write the thing, but but it was based on a lot of his the fame stuff. And, you know, it, it worked there. So, um, you know, reading the writers talk about this episode, they they say the one thing that they felt they didn't do so well was um, uh, the way they treated the Vulcans, because you kind of feel like you know there's um, uh, what's the captain's name, Slovak or Slo – uh, Solok, I think. Solok, Solok. right? Solok. You, you know, there's Solok at the beginning, and then Solok at the end. Um, they felt like we kind of left the Vulcans didn't do enough with them. Um, I guess I could see that, but there is that whole scene kind of in the middle where Cisco explains to um, um, Penny Johnson um, about—I uh, just said Penny Johnson, but anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, where he explains to her that uh, you know what what Solok. Uh, did to him, and you know, I kind of feel of Solok's presence in that scene anyway. Um, so I, c- I can see that, but this episode just puts a, like I said, it puts a smile on my face. So many times, there's not a, there's not a lot to it, but it's just, um, it's so much fun to me. Mm-hmm. Um, just seeing, just seeing all those guys in those uniforms out there on the field—that's uh, something too. I remember when they sold the. Now this is back when I was in, you know, this is my first year in college. So I was, you know, I just left my. I went from from a crappy paying job in the army to no job so, <laughs> and paying for school. So I was like the poorest I've ever been in my life. That that first year of college was pretty bad. So when they released the uh, Niners T-shirt and hat. I bought the hat.
2: <laughs> uh, Steve, you got the shirt, didn't you? Yeah, I got it. You still have that somewhere? Yeah. So I, recently, I found it when I was rummaging through things. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, speaking of that, by the way, I am uh, I'm going, if you're listening to this in time, uh, the Dodgers are having their first Star Trek night on Friday. Oh, yes. <laughs> the fourth. I'm going. Bill Shatner's going to throw out the first I pitch. I know. I read that. Yep. That's crazy. And I get, uh, I get a, it's in the right field pavilion, so it's like all you can eat. Mm-hmm. Dogs, basically. I'm, so I'm sure <laughs> I'm gonna feel sick after that. But but the coolest part is that you get a a shirt with like that says something about the Federation on it. It's a baseball jersey that says something about the Federation and Spock or something other. Mm-hmm. So that's the main reason. <laughs> that's the main reason I'm close. But uh, that's cool. But it's it's funny that that's this week. The first time they've done a Star Trek night. Uh, yeah, and, and it's this week that we're talking yeah. about taking me out to the Holosuite. But anyway, um, <clears throat> um, so you know, there's so many. Let's just. I've already said a couple that I like, uh, Steve, what's your favorite baseball kind of, what's your favorite funny moment in this episode?
2: Um, well, you've already mentioned the war f- phrases, which that's, yep. that's gotta be the, the best. I also enjoyed just the, how baffled everyone is when they go over the rules, you know, and, and it struck <laughs> me how. Oh, it, right. It,
0: it, that was, um, the Bajoran, <laughs> the Bajoran explaining the rules to Klingon and Ferengi.
2: Yeah. And, you know, it struck me how, I mean, I, I Grew up liking baseball from a kid. I don't. I don't remember not knowing the rules. So, um, yeah. If you, t- it's kind of like it makes it objective. You take it out and say, like, "Wow!" If mm-hmm. someone just started trying to understand this, it would be kind of wacky and complicated. And
0: well, you know, the, the Olympics just started, right? And mm-hmm. watching some of the gymnastics last night, and uh, you know, it's kind of like all sport. Okay, I'm I'm a runner. That's like the the thing I do to keep in shape. I love I love I love running, and I do. Half marathons and the occasional marathon and stuff like that. So I know I'm watching the gymnastics and stuff, and I'm and I'm thinking, and I and I talked to my wife and I said, you know. Just like most sports, everything at the Olympics, it's like, it's also like arbitrary. It's like the rules yeah. in baseball. It's just so, well, you got to hit it between these lines, and that's just what the game is, or or you have to touch this bit. You know, it's, it's just so, it's also made up, I guess, mm-hmm. is my point. And, mm-hmm. it, and I was bringing it up because I'm like, but running isn't that way. Running is the one thing that, there's like, whoever gets down there fastest wins. <laughs> that doesn't seem so arbitrary to me. But anyway, I can see, yeah, if you, if you like, hadn't played, <laughs> if you didn't know anything about baseball, if you were an alien, <laughs> you know, if you were, if you were, you were from a country that only only plays i don't know soccer or something uh yeah it it would sound it would seem kind of arbitrary almost silly it's just but but hey that's what all games are right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so that that is a funny scene when they're explaining the rules and um what was a fancy dan whatever (laughs) um uh, let's see Adam, what is your favorite other little moment that we haven't mentioned?
1: Um, it's all pretty much the same. Um, I mean, the ROM stuff and everything like that. I found it. In, you know, I played baseball. And I'm probably just as big a fan as Steve is. Um, it's interesting. I could. You know, I don't know if this was because obviously, you're, if they're going to do this episode, they have to do some sort of baseball training as actors. They got to go out there and learn how to throw a ball and slide and all that kind of stuff. And I'm interesting. I'm, I was kind of interested chronologically how they shot that because when they first start playing catch. None of them know how to throw a baseball. I mean, it might look like others are better than us, which they are, but I mean, but by the time they're playing their game, you, you can kind of see that they got the hang of it. I don't know if that was well Well,
0: yeah, on staff, I don't remember the guy's name, but Ernie Banks is, know, who, who did Ernie Banks play for? Anybody? Ernie
1: played for the Cubs.
0: The <laughs> Cubs, right. He knows. <laughs> so, yeah. All right, Chicago. Uh, so Ernie Banks, his nephew? No, his son. His son worked yeah. on DS9. Right, yeah, okay. I don't remember. The, his, obviously, his last name is Banks. So he, like, trained them all, you know, in the basics of, of um, baseball for this episode. As far as how they shot it, they did it all with um, separate setups. It was faster for them to not have to change the camera setup, but to change everybody's clothes. So anytime, any, anything where somebody needs to fast pass uh, first base they just set the camera up and they did every pass. So they were using um, their workout clothes and then they would change into their uniforms for the actual game. And so, I, so from that point of view, they were, they were like doing the same action multiple times. And I suppose that
2: they would have had to have gotten a little better each time. Well, it's so always um, to take for granted how what's very natural in an actual live setting with the way all the cameras are and the control room doing it is totally opposite of how you know a television show or film is made you know they got to sit there and establish all those shots all those different mm-hmm. angles and separately it's not like everything's just set out for them you know?
0: yeah and and i even more unusual for um star trek and deep space nine you know mm-hmm. yeah um so much of this is uh outside i mean more than more than half the episode they're on a ball field in the sun mm-hmm. um Oh, I guess they couldn't have done this episode with Harry Farrell. See, look, it's even it's all it's that oh, yeah. much better that as <laughs> <It's> worked out. <laughs> you know, here's here's one. I do have a complaint about this episode. It's not really a complaint, but something about like okay, seeing like the Ferengi makeup. You know, I, I it never occurs to me that's that's latex or that's that's a rubber f- head. I never mm-hmm. think that they're just they're Ferengi. They're you know on on the promenade they're Ferengi in Quarks they're Ferengi. But something about putting them with what I'm sure is the exact same makeup job on a baseball field in the 1990s. Mm-hmm. That's that's that. <laughs> my brain understands what that's supposed to look like so well mm-hmm. that somehow, for the first time, this is the, this is this is the episode where they their makeup looks fake to me, <laughs> where it looks <laughs> like they're guys in, in rubber heads. <laughs> I don't yeah, know. I'm why. sure it was.
1: You know, I mean, I'm sure it was. It's probably just out of context. It's just your yeah, brain exactly. playing tr- tricks on well, you. Well, this is
0: the first time we've seen um, uh, Rom without one of those ceremonial Romulan or Frankie um, little headdress things like he always wears. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not wearing one of those here. Um, I'm sure they had to do some funky things to get the uh, ball caps to fit on the Frankie mm-hmm. head. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um <coughs> I am gonna wear my, my Niners ball cap on 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 Friday at the Dodgers game. So <laughs> make sure you say hi. Um okay, so what's this episode about? And that's like Steve, what you were saying, that's the that's the coolest thing about this. There's no question yeah. this, this episode has some wonderful meaning and uh when it's over you know exactly what it is. And
2: by the standards of our show, that means it holds up. So mm-hmm. Yeah, well I feel it's I mean, it's it it's it's actually kind of complex and there's actually a couple different angles you could go at, but I think the obvious thing is that it's about, it's kind of the notion of, it's not whether you win or lose, it's how you play the game. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's family, it's, it's coming together and everyone, everyone communing, you know, is more important than reaching some kind of goal. And I think as a, on a secondary note, I think the whole, what you like, Adam, what you referenced at the end being kind of jaded, I think, I think it's, what's kind of interesting in the notion of um, drinking to manufactured triumph, you know, it's like, kind of like goals, you know, don't exist in a vacuum. You know, it's kind of, it's like, let's take on this group of people that are much smarter than us, much stronger than us who can do this kind of thing. And let's still celebrate the small things, you know, the goals we create, you know, the goals we achieve and so forth. Um, so I I think they're actually, it's kind of deep to me. I think there's a cut, those, those different issues going on there.
1: Adam. Um, yeah, I would agree with it. It's, it's got a lot of meaning. Um, you said, you know, teamwork, them all coming together. Um, you know, we were talking earlier about, you know, if somebody doesn't like baseball, they might not like this episode. My feeling is maybe they, I think they went a little over the top with Cisco and his rivalry. He, to me, came off kind of a lot of out of character in this episode. He was kind of, you know, obviously he was mean, and he was just not very likable in this episode. And, um, even in the ending, um, these are the problems that I have with it is just, it's just like, uh, you know, I can see coming together, celebrating, they got that moral victory and all that. But, um, I don't, you know, I just didn't like the ending where they were just like laughing at the Vulcans. It just seemed kind of like, why couldn't you just be? I mean, it didn't seem like, it didn't fit to me. It's like they were kind of like being the Vulcan, you know, gloating, and it was just I don't know. It just kind of settled me the wrong way. I didn't, I didn't particularly care for the ending and how they kind of set that at the end. I didn't I think, think it could have been that, more positive. <laughs> I
0: didn't think it was really mean spirited. I thought they were just going over the top um, um, to get a rise out of of the Vulcan to prove to him that they, that he is being emotional.
1: Yeah. I didn't um, think it was necessary,
0: but I, I don't know that they were really being, that they really meant it, I guess, but no, I, I can see what you're saying. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not agreeing with you, but I, I see it. I, I see, I see what you're saying. Totally. Um, And I do see like Cisco's, you know, Cisco's kicking Rom out and stuff. Um, it gave them it, it gave them enough. What it ended up doing to me is kind of making this a a Rom almost a Rom episode more than a Cisco episode. You know, because mm-hmm. it's 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 Rom's um, unflinching love for all of them, Cisco included, um, that made him happy. Uh, to still come and sit in the stands and insist that his teammates not quit, you know, and and play. And he wanted, he just wanted to see his friends play this game and and win. And um, that Cisco is brought around because of Rom's heart. Um, I, I think that's that was a dramatic moment that was worth it. Uh, to ha- it was worth having Cisco be a. Of jerk to him earlier to get that moment. Um so even in this lighthearted episode about uh Vulcans playing Federation with baseball, we still get character development from Cisco. Um and he gets it, you know, he gets schooled by uh the lowest guy on the totem pole, uh the guy that's not even in Starfleet. And the guy that doesn't know the first thing about baseball, so I, I like it. And um, there, it, this episode to me is something that I could watch pretty much any time, and it feels good, and I enjoy it. You know, it's one of those. You know, it's an episode that uh, obviously you can take it completely out of the overall, uh overall uh, DS Nine storyline, and you can still enjoy it. Um, uh, I don't know, as opposed to a lot of the episodes in season seven where I could never, if I was flipping channels and it was on, I would not want to watch it because I would feel like, you know, I needed to watch. It'd be like watching the, you know, an episode in the middle of the season from Breaking Bad. I, it doesn't make sense to me. You couldn't do that. Um, but this episode, you could absolutely do that. So a lot of reasons that I like this episode. And and I appreciate that now from what you, from stuff that you've said, Steve, about um, maybe baseball is irrelevant if you're not interested in baseball or, or Adam, talking about how you felt the ending was cynical. I'm getting a better idea now, understanding why some people might not like it. So I learned something from this conversation. That's good, and I wanted to. But I like it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Six Degrees for Take Me Out to the
1: suite. Uh Adam. Yes, sir.
0: Gregory Wigrowski plays Vulcan Captain Solak, Cisco's rival, that challenges him to a ball game. In Enterprise's third season, he played uh, Cirus in the episode "Chosen Realm." In this episode, the uh, Trianans are religious zealots that believe the Delphic Expanse to be sacred. They capture the Enterprise with explosives so that they can use the Enterprise to put down heretics on their homeworld. How do the Trianans sneak the explosives on board? The Enterprise, and this is from the series Enterprise.
1: Yeah, I always knew I should, I should probably watch the series again since I've only seen it once so I can answer hmm. these questions. Um, how did they I've get the explosives? I've only on seen it
0: twice, I think, when it first aired and then first came out on DVD.
1: Yeah, I haven't even seen it when it came out on DVD. Um, let's see, how did they get explosives onto the Enterprise? Let's see if I can make an intelligent guess here. Um, hmm. um, they transported them.
2: No, Steve? Uh, brought them up in a shuttlecraft.
0: No, they were implanted in the bodies of some of the Trianans. Oh, they, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Uh, all right, Steve. hmm Oh, and a couple of today's episodes were very difficult for me to do our traditional six degrees where we ask about an actor that has played another role in Star Trek. Uh, so we're going to get a few generic type trivia questions, but I thought you would like this one what is the final score of the game between the Niners and the Logicians? <laughs> Which I think oh, you would only guess from
2: looking at the uh, score part. <laughs> yeah, I mean, something to one. Um, <laughs> that is correct. That is correct. Um, 10 to one. You are correct. How did you know that? <laughs> I remember 10. I just couldn't remember if that was the final amount of runs right. that the Vulcans yes, got. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, so, Steve has one. <laughs> Chrysalis, Season 7, Episode 5, Production number 555. Original air date, October 28, 1998. Written by Renee, Renee Echeverria, directed by Jonathan West. Music composed by Jay Chataway. Guest cast include Tim Ransom as Jack, Faith C. Sally as Serena Douglas, Hilary Shepard-Turner as Lauren, Michael Keenan as Patrick, Aaron Eisenberg as Nog, Randy James as Officer.
1: Jack, Lauren, Patrick, and Serena, genetically enhanced humans have escaped their medical facility in the hopes that Dr. Bashir can cure their friend Serena, whose enhancements left her in a catatonic state. Dr. Bashir attempts to and attempts an untried procedure on her brain that initially appears to have no effect. However, after a few days, Serena speaks for the very first time.
2: Miles, I don't think you understand what this means to me. All these years I've had to hide the fact that my DNA had been resequenced. I listened to people talk about the genetically engineered, saying they were all misfits. I used to fantasize about meeting someone who was like me, who could live a normal life. But it never happened. Until Serena. Don't you see? She's the woman I've been waiting for all my life. (laughs) Now, here's an episode where,
0: when I was watching it, as usual, because I like Star Trek and I like Deep Space Nine, (laughs) I was thinking, this is good, I like this. And then by the time it was over, I thought... I'll bet the guys are going to talk me out of liking this episode.
1: <laughs> uh, I, so I'm I really, you guys start. I really liked it. Um, oh, good. To be honest. Okay. Yeah. Um, and you know what? I really enjoyed the musical number in the middle of it. You know what they're doing? The yeah, yeah. Don't worry I thought it was yeah. awesome. They, the, It was just a very, very, very enlightening. I don't even it's know how It's one of those it. things you're
0: like, on paper, that might look cool. But actually pulling it off so that it's cool, yeah, yeah. very, very, very hard.
1: Mm-hmm. And I don't know if they actually act; they just did, they lip synced it, or if it was the actual actors. But yeah, it was a really fun little um, scene there.
0: I think uh, Jack was the only one that couldn't sing; <laughs> his was dubbed. But other than that, um, yeah, it's a very unusual star. I don't think there's ever been has there ever been anything like that in Star Trek ever?
1: Yeah, it's wow. the closest we'll see to a musical number. Yeah,
0: really. <laughs> I don't remember any other moment remotely like that.
1: I mean, we have um, we have Nick Fontaine who sings and we'll see Cisco sing here eventually, but yeah, I mean, nobody really breaks out into song on in Star Trek.
0: Yeah. I, I. But you're right. I mean, this is like the closest thing to a musical. Um, and, it, and it works. It totally works. And it's, and it's really amazing that the structure of that sequence in, in that it's, um, you know, simple and gets a little more complex. And I believe that um, these, these four people that are, incredibly intelligent um this is their immediate way to work out the problem of her voice isn't normal yet and Mm -hmm. it totally works and they're smart and they're they're very fast what would take us months they do in three minutes with a song you know and Mm -hmm. i believe it in that so it serves this 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 cool kind of narrative function and and it works and it's it's definitely notable i mean it's the thing that you remember from this episode for me it's the thing i remember the best um from this episode
2: um. What do you think of this episode, Steve? Yeah, I, I liked it as well, and I think, um, well, for, for starters, I like I like follow up episodes. You know, thing when they bring back characters, you know, because yeah. I liked them the first time, and then is bringing them back and it being a, it being something good. Sometimes it's disappointing, you know, when they bring back characters for a second thing, you know. But this this worked out. I think I think I primarily liked it because. Uh, I really felt for uh, Bashir. I, I think because the the um, this character, once she, you know, once she starts speaking and integrates herself and how she comes off, I mean, it's, it's a little bit of an exaggeration, but I think I f- fell in love with her a little bit. You know, it's kind of like the mm. perfect person you know and the way she carries herself and she's smart and attractive and all stuff and then you see what he has to deal with and okay um but she's not in love with me and being let down i mean you know i i really felt for the character and i, I think you know, i think it was it was interesting and
1: yeah, yeah they, they they set it up really well you know they show bashir he's lonely you know nobody wants to hang out with him so they have him set up in this kind of this mm-hmm. not i wouldn't say vulnerable position but in just in a right position to fall in love you know right you know yeah um, so,
0: well, um, my only concern was that you know he makes such a a, a huge and obvious mistake in kind of rushing her, right? You know, not not giving right. her time, and I almost felt like, well, isn't I mean Bashir is he? I mean, he's smarter than he's more. It's not really an intelligent question; it's an experienced question, and he seems more he seems more experienced in life uh, than that to me. But you know, if 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 we're arguing that it's just his you know loneliness, extreme loneliness. And a complete well, lack of love will, will make you know, intelligent mm-hmm. people and uh, experienced people <laughs> um, make mistakes like this.
1: Well, I wouldn't say it was disnecessarily. I'm sorry to kind of to no, no, portray that. as so, I wasn't saying like, you know, they kind of set it up as him being lonely and desperate. But if you look at Bashir over the years and, you know, obviously Jazir just died. And if we look at he um, he waited, he waited and he waited and he waited with Jazir. And, um, you know, it never happened. You know, we tried. you know, he was really strong at first. And then, you know, and I think maybe that was in his psyche here too. He's like, I don't want to wait. I don't want to wait and see if this is going to happen. I want to make how, it happen. How many
0: relationships did he have during this show? Melora comes to mind. Hmm. Um, were there any others? Uh, Lita briefly. Lita. That's right. Seemed, Lita, yeah. yeah. That always seemed a bit fluffy. Right. Yeah, that
1: was, that was more, I think, um, Physical,
0: yeah, I can understand that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but you know I, I would say too that um, yeah, inexperienced, and that's what brings about it. He's so he's inexperienced as a person in relationships. So obviously, he's like, well, I made this mistake the last time, so I'm going to do it this way this time, not thinking it through. So,
0: you know, it's it's ironic uh, that um, that the character that the character on this show that is. Uh, genetically enhanced, and therefore, in most ways, um, the the least like us is the guy that I can kind of identify with almost more than anybody. <laughs> um, um, but and it's also you know it's ironic that that guy that that intelligence and that that those enhancements um, don't help him here.
1: Well, yeah. if you, if you, if you see all the characters, I mean, you know, obviously they're all, you know, they're all made like this totally mental Superman, you know, they can do things beyond anything that we can think of mentally, but emotionally they're just as messed up as we are. You, you kind of see that in all of <clears throat> all five of them that um, emotionally they're not enhanced in any way. Well,
0: that's There's, exactly Serena's problem in this episode. You know, she, she comes out of this, she's released from this shell Um And she's an emotional child and doesn't know what feeling she is or isn't having, having, um, doesn't know how to um, kind of analyze those feelings, doesn't know how to express herself. And it just confuses her and scares her back to the shell, you know, Mm -hmm. to that safety of what she knew. Um, Of course, that's unfortunate for um, Bashir. Yeah. But even Bashir's friend, O'Brien, tries to warn him that things are moving too fast. Mhm. Julian doesn't listen. Um it did bother me ever so slightly just the thought that you know Julian gets involved with a patient. I know he immediately passes her off to another doctor, but still.
1: Yeah. You know,
0: but where I guess we're saying that's okay cuz it was so easy to fall in love with Serena. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I like how the way they, you know, the makeup was on it. The makeup, I think, that it was very subtle because, you know, she came in and she was kind of glab, you know, not very, Not there wasn't a whole lot, of, it didn't seem like there was a whole lot of life in her eyes, and then they really brightened her up mm. when she came awake. So, I mean, it, could, you yeah. could note, it was subtle, but you could notice it very clearly. Yeah, yeah they could of her up
2: like a corpse when she doesn't speak, you know, a little bit. Yeah, That's yeah, the exactly. Uh-huh. Well,
0: speaking of that moment, um, when she speaks for the first time and he asks her, what are you looking at? And she says, everything. Um, you know, Steve, you talked about you like it when they bring back these characters. And, and and I like it, too. It's probably for the same kind of reasons. You know, it just it makes the world feel more real. You know, and as a Trekker, uh-huh. that's what I'm that's what I'm interested in. I'm interested in this in this universe and, and um, it makes it makes it more real. And I like that. Um, but in this episode, it has another effect, too, because, you know, the previous episode, she. She was a mute. She didn't have a line Mm -hmm. in the whole episode. And with that history, recent history, I mean, that was just the previous season. And with that history, um, when she finally does speak in this episode, you know, it's a big deal to me. And it's a bigger deal than they can get out of the 10 minutes they spend getting her to speak. It's really... Mm -hmm. That previous episode, forty six minutes plus those ten minutes, you know, yeah. It really yeah. does feel like they've they've worked up to this and it makes it feel like a bigger deal in the way that you wouldn't get from a
2: single episode. Oh yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> you couldn't have done this without the previous one. You know, yes. you could do it time. Yeah. Yeah. Um so uh Adam, what's it about?
1: Um don't fall in love too quickly. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, um <laughs>
0: You're kidding! Of course, everybody falls in love
2: too
1: quickly. Um, I guess what I would have to say what it's it's about. um, I mean, you know, obviously, you could say it's um it's about coming awake. It's about coming dealing with your emotions. For me, it was kind of like dealing with your emotions. I mean, if you look at Bashir and what he was going through, he obviously has an emotional handicap just from all of his previous relationships and his isolation from society as a whole. And then you know this seem seemingly perfect um partner comes along and um and he just falls all in and um we can tell by her emotions that she like you were saying before that she's an emotional child so um i don't know I have to I, it kind of comes to me as this this is an, uh, an, it's more of an emotional episode to me than anything about you know what's going on underneath if
2: that
1: yeah, makes any sense
0: that scene with uh where uh, Jillian's talking to O'Brien. I think it's the scene where O'Brien says he's moving too fast. But um, it's this where uh, Julian says she's the woman I've been waiting for all my life. You know, she's the first person that's because of her enhancements or whatever. She's strong enough to keep up with me. You know. Um, even during that scene, I did feel like, and I and I think this is good. I mean, I think this is what it should have been. But I, but I felt like you know he's he's lying to himself a little bit. You know, I think mm-hmm. he's he's exaggerating the importance of that because he is lonely and does want to find someone. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's one of the reasons that he sped this up too. Um, Steve, what do you what do you think this episode's about?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think we kind of touched on it, but uh, you know, so often what what the episodes are about is our interactions with other people, how we deal, and I think that's just something to say about the human condition. You know, relationships are such a crucial part of it. You know, and I think I think here it's it's a it's about you know you you people can be at different places in their lives you know a person doesn't necessarily wrong for you or right for you or you know whatever type of relationship you're talking about but, you know people have to get to a place you know we we evolve we change and so you know sometimes people simply aren't in the sa- in the right place at the right time you know and I, and I, and to and furthermore as we discussed you can't force those things you can't force those issues that's something we all have to get to on our own
1: it's all about the timing
2: <laughs> <laughs> well you know <clears throat> um, it takes
0: a little bit of the pain out of watching this episode knowing that Julian's gonna find somebody by the end of the season yeah, yeah. Um, but I remember at the time seeing this episode it did feel like you know here we go again man it sucks <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> yeah. we just had it was it was just a couple episodes back we had that Painful scene uh, where Ezri tells Bashir, you know, yeah. if it if Worf hadn't come along, it would have been you. and You're like, oh my god, you know. <laughs> and then he can, then this happens to him. So you know, thinking about that that episode and and that Bashir, um, it, it's I guess it's not a far cry to see that he might his loneliness might have blinded him that he might have rushed in here. Um, so okay, moving on six degrees for chrysalis uh we got steve's got one adam's got none uh here's another one where i've already asked a lot of these people were in other episodes but i've asked about every one of them already so Mm -hmm. uh adam name the sixth season episode that first starred the jack pack well what is that previous episode that we've been talking about the previous episode that had these characters
1: Oh, that's funny because I was looking up um, the previous episode to kind of get a little research on this one and I didn't even <laughs> forgot. I've already forgotten the name. The, the Steve?
2: Oh, i trying to come up with something that makes some sense, but it's, I'm going to know, I'm gonna know it when I hear it, but it's, it's not coming to me. Statistical probabilities.
1: Mm. <laughs> makes sense. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. uh, Steve, this is a question just for you. Okay. Um, the jackpacks sing a song to get Serena's voice back to normal using the do, re, mi syllables. What is the name given to this particular form of singing where each note of the scale is given a specific syllable? There's mm. a lot of variations on this name, but I and I will take any of them.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, is that our recording engineer? Uh, <laughs> I'm sure I'll have heard of it when I hear it, but I don't, I don't know.
1: Uh, Adam Embry? Or no, yeah, but- that, Adam Caesar, do you know the name? I have no idea. Let Embry answer. Let All Embry right, get Adam in Embry, here. Embry, please chime in. Uh,
0: he is correct. Adam Embry just said Solfege, and he reminded us that he is not being recorded, so you to <laughs> <laughs> while our engineer answered the uh, question correctly. It is Solfege. So he gets one. Or as we called it when I was in the uh, Navy School of Music, sulfish. <laughs> 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 All right, so... Uh, yeah uh, our recording engineer has one for the day but in the meantime uh, we're still at
2: one to nothing steve all right moving on wow. Treachery, Faith, and the Great River, Season 7, Episode 6, Production No. 556. Original air date, November Fourth, Nineteen 1998. Teleplay by David Weddle and Bradley Thompson. Story by Philip Kim. Directed by Steve Posey. Music composed by David Bell. Guest cast include Jeffrey Combs as Wayune, Casey Biggs as Demar, J.G. Herzler as General Martok, Aaron Eisenberg as Nog, Max Gredanchik as Rom, and Salome Jens as Female Shapeshifter. Wow.
1: Odo is lured to a secret meeting where he finds himself face-to-face with Wayun, the Vorta leader of the enemy dominion. Wayun announces that he's decided to defect, and in exchange for asylum, he promises to provide valuable information that could help the Federation win the war. Odo finally agrees to take Wayun as his prisoner, but soon after they leave, they are forced to receive a transmission from the d- dominion. Odo oh, to surprised surprise when the monitor displays Wayun standing beside Damar. Well, a family of Vorta hid the Changeling from his pursuers. And in exchange for saving his life, the Changeling promised the Vorta that one day we would be transformed into powerful beings.
0: Okay, so um, I just want to make sure I understood something correct from this episode. Um, the Vorta used to be squirrel apes? Yes, <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's yeah. correct. A little
1: um, or hobbits, little hobbits. <laughs>
0: uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's a funny thought, but I actually like that they gave it. They gave the Lord a little bit of a a backstory. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, well,
1: it gives a well, it gives a little reference to why they they s- see the um, founders as gods. It kind of explains that. A little bit, you know, and it's a little bit of a backstory. Um, I liked it, and it was nice to see Jeffrey get to play a nice person for once. You know, he's always usually somebody that's well, not very likable.
0: Evil people doing something nice. Um, Odo interprets that story of the Vortis history as an example of um, the uh, founders'
1: um, the generosity,
0: doing, something, doing some yeah, being generous. I don't know. Maybe that's just the founder inside of him needing to find them being kind. But I'm not. Is that? I don't know. Is that definitely the kindest thing?
1: Well, I think. Well, actually, I think he said compassion. He showed compassion. Yeah. You know what I mean. Okay.
2: Okay. Yeah, it just seems to me you're messing around with something you don't know necessarily. Exactly. Yeah, that, that was well my it. first thought. I'm like. Yeah. It is it's kind of like the anti-prime directive, but. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but. Um, I tell you, of course, the, the, for me, the coolest thing
0: in this episode, thing that makes this episode worth watching, absolutely, is seeing how... You know, Jeffrey Combs is so incredible. We all know he's so incredible. We've seen him play, you know, multiple characters in Star Trek. This is the first time we've seen him play two Wayoons talking to each other. Mm-hmm. And there's such a subtle difference between them that you... I'm blown away by his acting because it's so subtle, but yet I can tell which way it is, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. nutty.
1: That's crazy. Uh-huh. That's beyond my comprehension. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh-huh.
1: He's 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 so good. It's a, it just uh, it's kind of the tone of the voice. You kind of
0: yeah. But I mean, obviously but, he can't go too far because he's he's still got to be Wayun, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know. So that it's pretty incredible. Um, is this the first time we? I guess it is. This is the first time we heard about. We knew that Wayans were cloned, but gave them the number system and stuff. I that, think so. That I, that think, so I think of right. them as, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's presumably, all other Vorta would have a similar system, but you know, Wayans the only one that.
1: Um, yeah. I think Wayon Six. I mean, he says there, are, or Wayon Seven. See, I'm getting him confused. It was when mm-hmm. he was talking to Mari he said that occasionally <laughs> there'd be a little mess up. With clones and he had but he said he hadn't happened in the Yun line until now. Yeah, yeah. Apparently it happens quite a bit but the Vorta.
2: I'm um, interested to go forward watching this to see how Yun seven behaves uh, as long as he's in the picture because to me, even Yun seven feels a little different than the Yun five been dealing. Mm-hmm. Well, the fact that now this is the this is crazy to me.
0: And I couldn't find any I researched this and nobody's nobody brought this up. Um but
2: to me, it was a really big deal oh, yeah. that he was willing to kill Odo. Yes, that's what I'm saying. I mean, what, I know even five nuts. never struck me that that would even be something to discuss. You know, and, right. that,
0: and that he he lies to the founder because he knows that what she mm-hmm. would she would do to him if you know. And why is he is he doing this to protect his own butt or what?
1: Yeah, yeah. well, he's a little but, more treacherous this time. But around.
0: isn't yeah? Isn't it like built into his DNA? Yeah. How could he possibly consider killing Odo? Mm-hmm. Well, is that of, is that the writers going
1: too far? Are they are they cheating with the character there? Well, I think they needed to make a difference between the between all of them because of what is Wei Yun Five is um, nasty as he was. He was an inquisitive character. You know, there would be a lot of scenes where he would be very polite or he was inquisitive about like certain things that go on. So I couldn't totally dislike that character, but um, this new the the most latest version of Wei Yun seems it's not. He's just all about. Winning and and getting it done so far. I mean, yeah, we'll have to watch and see if that continues. But um,
0: well, I suppose they are being kind of backed into a corner with the you know not um, winning the war at this point, mm. right? You know, but that that did seem like I guess Steve, you agreed then too that that was going too far, or no? Mm.
2: Yeah, unless you just buy that it's natural. I mean, there's variation in the clones a bit or something. I mean, it's kind of an excuse, but uh, I definitely saw a difference and was surprised. Well, that. we've seen them. Uh, uh, Vorta have no issue sacrificing Jemadar, for example. Well, sure, but yeah, yeah.
0: That's another point. Actually, I was kind of, it kind of made me wonder about since we know the Vorta now were, it's not, they weren't made from scratch. They were yeah. the you know. Squirrel apes, (laughs) (laughs) uh, rat monkeys, whatever they were, and um, I I wonder, like, were the gem are made from scratch, or were they
2: also? I don't know that that's ever fully. I don't think so. Yeah, no. Yeah, I don't think it is. But that's interesting. Um, um, the yeah, go ahead. ahead. I just, I was just gonna comment on. I think one of the most interesting aspects of this is um Odo appearing to begin to accept the notion of him being a god to, a god yeah, yeah you know
1: well, it's I kind of well. a par- it's kind of a parallel to Cisco he, yeah. having to go through his transformation in that yeah. area
0: well that's um it it's in line with where Odo is going to end up at the end of this season as well mm-hmm. you know returning to his people um he's accepting um uh, their role um well let's talk about um uh that end scene there when he uh Wei uh, 6 <laughs> dies and asks Odo for his blessing you know and mm-hmm. you can see that he's uncomfortable um mm-hmm. but he does it and um <laughs> and that's all there is to it. So.
1: <laughs> but no, that's that's your that's
0: that's what you're talking about. Yeah, you know he's he's accepting he's accepting this role. And and I, my favorite thing about that isn't so much the scene where Wayun dies; it's the next scene
1: with Kira. It's the scene yeah.
0: with Kira where Kira talks about you know
1: oh, what does she say? Wayun's
0: faith in you, meaning Odo, was enough for him, and that's. That's what matters, you know. In the same way that her faith is enough for her, um, and her belief about the prophets, and um, it doesn't matter if she can't explain it; she doesn't have to.
1: That's kind of what faith is. I mean, you know, she.
2: Yeah. <clears throat> and it's interesting how the the secondary story also, in in that in that respect, um, leads into that too, because it's you know it's a, it's as close as the as religion the Ferengi get. You know, the whole yeah. Great River thing, yeah. He clearly has uh,
0: Nog procuring the stabilizer for the Defiant. Clearly has faith in the Great River.
1: It's an amusing storyline too. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's it did feel
0: a little bit rehashed to me. That B line, the B storyline. I, I it's a popular yeah. storyline. It's it's good, but it did feel like I've seen it a couple of times before.
1: Well, we've seen it at least one time. What was it when Jake and Nog were trying to get the baseball oh, card?
0: Yeah, yeah that the self-stealing
1: well, but you was. know you got to torture o'brien a, t- a time or two a season so this was um, a little o'brien torture
0: yeah but it was good it was a good storyline um i like the scene of uh his desk being missing uh, cisco's desk missing from his office that's just funny <laughs> um we have to mention the uh female changeling looking ill and mm-hmm. uh way telling odo um The sickness is spread throughout the Great Link and the founders are dying that's pretty that's that's pretty heavy Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, obviously we're going to be revisiting that storyline a lot later Um, any comment on that? no? All right. So we don't have much to say on this episode. <laughs> Do you guys like this? Is this, uh, Adam, is this a good episode?
1: Yeah, I liked it. I liked the, the contrast with Wayun, you know, it's a, it's a nice little twist. Um, you know, I said it earlier in the episode, it was, it's nice to see Jeffrey Combs play, you know, somebody other that you just don't completely despise. I mean, even in enterprise, it took till the fourth season before you started liking that character. Tramp. So it was, um, it was, I, I liked it and he did a really good job. Um, I enjoyed the episode.
0: Yeah, for me, it's like <coughs> the scenes where Wayun is playing against Wayoon that I enjoy so much. It makes the episode worth watching. If I were to take that out of this episode, um, I don't know that that's that's all so much of it. But you're right; it's it, it's nice that we're getting this uh, Odo starting to accept his. Role as a god. I guess maybe I just feel like that not enough stuff happens in this episode.
1: On yeah, shows. I mean, it's one of those episodes that just pushes things forward. Nothing really. Well, I mean, not well. A couple of new things happen. We, you know, we find out about the the disease, obviously, but um, yeah, just it's just one of those episodes that just kind of pushes things a little forward and sets things up.
0: It's an interesting concept that Um, Wayun Six is telling Odo, you know, you will be the Dominion when these people die and you were going to run everybody and this is going to be your chance to start a, start the Dominion again uh, and, and live in peace on peace and cooperation again pretty heavy uh, I, I feel like I don't know I, I, I guess I, I, I think those lines deserve something more than two guys sitting in a, a runabout powered down inside of an ice uh, moon or something I don't know
1: You wanted something Uh, more grandiose? Yeah. Well
2: Steve, is this a good episode? Yeah, I think it's a good episode. I think much of what we're you know, the any disparaging remarks is because it's stuck in this era of DS nine where where an episode that might be a very good episode earlier in the series, you know, is gonna not seem so Uh great in the it's chunked with all these others, you know. That's a good point, yeah.
0: No, that's that's an excellent point. I think this episode is a perfect example of that. It's good here and maybe it would've we would have thought it was great earlier. Um, what's it about?
2: Faith, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. uh,
0: is it about yeah. treachery and faith? <laughs> is it <laughs> possibly also about a great
2: river?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, it's, it's the, it's the, it's faith and the, the, un- you know, unquestioningly following something, which was what faith is. I mean, that's what they're dealing but you with. Know, the, you... And this isn't the first time we've, seen that kind of thing Absolutely. here. but If
0: Wayne yeah. in Six, instead of contacting Odo, if he had contacted the station and said, you need to send, I'm incredibly important. I know all this information. I want to help. I want to stop this war. I want the founders to learn how to live in peace with the solids. That's my, that's my the main thing, the most important thing. And I want to defect and you need to send, you need to treat me with the level of importance that I have and send a bunch of ships and put a lot of effort into retrieving me safe and sound. He well, could only, have contacted them and said all of that, but, but he, he only, did not.
1: Well, he only trusted Odo. That's
0: because the, he only had faith in Odo. If Odo mm. wasn't around, he would not have defected.
1: No. no.
0: And it, he has complete faith in Odo, but he only has faith in Odo. Mm-hmm. But he has such faith in Odo. He has such faith in Odo that he gives his life to protect Odo. Steve, what's it about? Faith.
1: Yeah, I think it's, I mean, I mean, yeah, it's, I mean, we could elaborate more on um, the definition of faith, but I mean, it's pretty simple. It's pretty straightforward in this episode. It's uh, you know, like we were talking about the last ep- or what was the baseball episode was a, had a little bit more complexity to it. This one's pretty straightforward and it's message. Alright. Well, I think that
0: we should have faith in six degrees. <laughs> so six degrees for treachery, faith in the great river. You guys do we did we didn't we didn't shortchange that episode, did we? No. No. Okay. Alright, good. Uh so what's your score? Steve has one, Adam has none? Yep, yep. Again, nobody in here that I haven't already asked questions about a million times, so trivia. Uh, oh gosh. Um Adam. Go ahead. In this episode, we see Wayun's 6 and 7. Which Weiyun was first seen on DS9? And I don't mean the station, I mean the series. Who's the first Weiyun we saw? Which one? Which number?
1: Um, I'm going to say Weiyun 4.
0: You are correct. It was Weiyun 4. Uh, Steve, who mm-hmm. kills Weiyun 7 later in this season?
2: Oh gosh, I remember it happening but I um, it's a slightly trick question because there are a couple different wayoons going to get killed later in this season but I'm talking about the the one that yeah, we saw in the this current. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm not certain is it Damar? No.
1: Uh Adam? The very last wayoon? Is that what you're talking about?
0: Sorry. I'm talking about the wayoon that we see in this episode, the one that does not die in this episode.
1: Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about the very last one. That one would be Garrick. Um, this one. It would have been correct
0: had I been asking about
1: one. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm trying to think who kills this one. Um, mm-hmm. mm, I guess now when the next one dies, I can't ask about who kills the next <laughs> one. <laughs> well, you might. I'll forget by then. Don't worry. That's true. That's true. <laughs> um, I'm going to say Cisco.
0: It was Worf. Worf? Uh, the score is one to one. Yes?
1: Yes. Moving yeah.
2: it on. Once More Into the Breach, Season 7, Episode 7, Production number 557. Original air date, November eleventh, nineteen 1998. Written by Ronald D. Moore, directed by Alan Croker, music composed by Dennis McCarthy. Guest cast include John Colicos as Kor, J.G. Hertzler as General Martok, Neil Vipond as Derok, Nancy Youngblut as Kulana, and Blake Lindsley as Signon.
1: Worf is paid a visit by his old friend Kor, an aging Klingon war hero. Kor admits that his ambition has earned him countless enemies and that consequently he has been unable to secure the command of a ship for the war. Worf promises to find him a military command and approaches General Martok with the request, which he angrily refuses. Undaunted, Worf appoints Kor as third officer on the Chatang, Martok's flagship, where he is treated with star status by the crew, much to Martok's dismay.
2: Savor the fruit of life. My young friends, it has a sweet taste when it is fresh from the vine. But don't live too long. The taste turns bitter
0: after a time. I'm glad that they brought Kor back and that they finished out this storyline. We go all the way back to Blood Oath. Um, The other two Klingons that they brought back from the original series... They died in that episode, but Cork lived, of course. And we Mm -hmm. saw him a couple more times. Um, So I I like that they got around to... uh, They had the time to finish out his storyline before the series ended. Um, You know, the uh, B story from this episode, just because it's one of the first things I'm thinking of, I want to mention it right now. So uh, It's very brief. It's just a couple scenes where uh, Cork mistakenly thinks Esri is pursuing Worf and tells her she shouldn't and she's, you know, a beautiful flower or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and she says, I'm not interested in Warf, but that was very sweet. Um, and then he goes and, and says, oh look, she's, she loves me or something. Um, it was weird because it was the first time I realized, you know, I kind of clicked, oh yeah, this is season seven where they don't do anything with Quark. Quark might- <laughs> He has no. It it it's kind of sad, you know, cuz he has no real play, place in this season. You know, I, I yes, there the yes, he had two scenes in this episode, but they were they didn't have to be there, you know. So little for Cork had to be there from this season. You well, know, oh, yeah, you
1: need Ferengi you mean the,
0: episodes this episode. This,
1: yeah, we I think we said what the last Frankie episode was season last six? season. Yeah. Yeah. If you look at Cork, yeah, I would, I would agree with you. He hasn't had much of a, a role so far. Um, I, I don't recall exactly. But, I mean, even even in that episode where they go and they fight that, um, they destroy the shipyard. He's on the ship and he has a purpose and there's some good scenes. But, I mean, you know, he's not really even doing anything on the ship. No. He just, yeah. just kind of shows up. Mm-hmm. But,
0: <clears throat> of course, that is, the fact that this episode is not about him is indicative of the problem that I just said. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have any episodes about him, mm-hmm. but it isn't about him. So let's talk about what it is about. Um, Core,
2: Steve. I know you're a fan of Core. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's uh, fun that um, we reference earlier DS9, of course, but also that we get the references to original series stuff. You know, so yeah, it's he, one of those more
0: than usual. Yeah. He talks about um, uh, Kang, right, and, mm-hmm. the, and the battle of mm-hmm. Caleb Four against the Federation. Do we actually know anything? Have we ever heard of that battle? Not to my knowledge. That's not the battle. That okay, yeah, Um, yeah, because he wouldn't have actually. He wasn't in an episode with King in the
2: original series. Right, they never worked together. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: Uh,
2: (laughs) uh, They were never a part of the same show. Yeah,
0: uh, the same Broadway show. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, I tell you that that scene when. Uh, Martok tells his story about why he's against Kor. Um, You know, and Kor had a, apparently uh, rejected his application because he was from, you know, because he was a commoner, basically. Um, I mean, that means something. And that, and that actually makes a lot of sense, too, with the way uh, um, Kolkos plays Kor and Hursler plays Martok. You know, these Kor really was kind of aristocratic and old school and Martok mm-hmm. is really like the soldier soldier feeling kind of guy mm-hmm. um, uh, so you can kind of see that um, it's hard not to side with it's hard hard not to kind of feel Martok has every right to do what he's doing mm-hmm. right because um, that you know that upset me too and again it, it, it's an, it's a nice little moment just because it gives you that you know core isn't perfect you know um, yeah and then so we have the scene where the battle happens and Mark talk and warfare incapacitated. Core takes over and kind of you know, he's obviously suffering from dementia, dementia from old age. Mm-hmm. This is it's over at this point we gotta be over a century since the original series, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um so he's pretty old. <laughs> And uh, he starts having flashes in this other battle. Then we get that scene in the mess hall where they're making fun of him, even Martok. And that's mm-hmm. yeah. kind of a risky thing. Uh, yeah, you know, Martok is supposed to be this character that we love on this on this series, but to show him really going after um, Kor in that mess hall scene, just flat out making fun of him, um, that's pretty. Uh, yeah, it's harsh. Yeah. yeah, and pretty risky from a character standpoint. But mm-hmm. what you guys I make think of that?
1: The, I think they set it up well, so it, it wasn't too. It wasn't like he did it out of the blue. So I think they set up his, his hatred for core well enough in advance, so it was, um, you know, it didn't feel out of place for me.
2: Steve? Yeah, yeah, I w- I would agree. I was I I felt I I felt harsh, but I I understood, you know, why it was, you know, I understood why this is just a, a real it's a real sore spot for for Martok, you know, and so you could you could buy it, you know. Well, Martok talks
0: about, you know, he got his battlefield commission, that's how he, you know, from his mm-hmm. own, um efforts, that's how he became an officer, but that was after his father yeah, had died. And that mean that would mean so much to a klingon. I mean, I can I I understand his hatred. Mm-hmm. I, I do. But it is harsh. Um
1: but I mean, he gets it in return. I mean, that was it's probably the best line of the of the episode that Kor said, you know, um about life. savor the mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Savor savor the,
0: the fruit of life, my young friends, do not live too long. It grows bitter after a time, something to that effect. Mhm. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's um they kind of they push in on him when he says that line, and it's <laughs> pretty.
1: Um, it, you know, and it's kind of it was it was nice for for him too because you know what we've seen of Kor, He's a loud, bo- boisterous Klingon. You know, he's your typical Klingon. You know, he was one of it's what they based all the Klingons for on. And so you know, yeah, he was. Yeah, it first, was hard to know, take. You never
2: mm-hmm.
1: really took Kor too seriously. At least I didn't as a character. I mean, I liked him. He's a great Klingon, but I mean, there was never that. Um, that was more Kang. That was serious and was you know. Said things that mattered. Um, mm-hmm. Core was just more like the the comic, the comic relief for that group of Klingons, and um, it was it was I thought it was made that line even more powerful that he said it in that way, and it just yeah it was the best line in the episode again.
0: Yeah, and that line of course gets to what it's about. I don't know if we want to jump straight into that, but um, well, is there anything else before we get into what it's about? Um, Worf doesn't have much to do in this episode. It's a little weird. Yeah. Although, on the right other now. hand, you get like this sense of it's it really is kind of like a Martok core episode, yeah, which yeah. is unusual that it's not our primary people, um, but it doesn't feel that way. I mean, it doesn't bother me, it, it feels everything feels natural enough in this episode, mm
2: hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, if we were to talk about it a little bit more, I like the scene with um Kara and um Ezri. You know, they mm-hmm. you know, you were talking about how Court doesn't have anything to do, he doesn't have anything major to do, but I mean they're they in a subtle way in this episode they're setting up um Ezri, they're building her character. I mean it's not a lot, you know, they're talking about how she deals with people she knew in the past and you know, the court thing. It's it was a it was a fun little scene between her and Kara there. You're crazy, get out of here, you know.
0: Yeah. you don't get to see you don't get to see
1: Kara be lighthearted too much so it, it was kind
0: of mm-hmm. nice um, alright anything else before what it's about um, I don't think so no okay so this episode opens with Kor coming to warp and you know he does, he's not just asking for a job He he says help me end my life as I've lived it as a warrior you know um, and then, of course, we have that scene that we just mentioned where he talks about you know don't don't live too long, the fruit of life grows bitter after a time um, so it's kind of this question for me of I don't know how do we how do we age gracefully you know in in the light of the oh I remember. I, I was going to say, uh, in the, in the li- in light of the uh, ravages of old age. I remember that episode of um, uh, Next Gen. Was it? It was a uh, uh, the Spock episode, part one. Uh, reunification? Unification, 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 right? Mm-hmm. Unification part one, when um, Uh, Sarek is dying, right?
2: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: and and Picard talks about the ravages of old age. I think in the right episode yeah. um, you know that there's no, that all our technology and, and you could say that today too mm-hmm. we're living older and older but still there's always going to be an end and getting to the end is always going to mean losing uh, all these things that you had used to define yourself mm-hmm. you know and without a doubt it's even more extreme for the Klingons because <sighs> without, if they're not, if they're not a warrior, then they're nothing, right. you know, it's almost yeah. like, it's, yeah. like, it's kind of like the, um, the Jamadar, you know, if the the ones that live to an old age, it's not really, it's, it's not a good thing, right, right, it's not really, you know, they, well, they,
1: wasn't well, uh, it a prerequisite to, to die in honor in battle or something like that to get into Stovacor, Stovacor, so, yeah. isn't that part of the Klingon lore?
0: Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, there's this sense that you just keep going back out there until <laughs> until you, you die. die. <laughs> um, um, so it's it's it just takes a couple of these little moments, that opening scene, that line, um, in uh, at, at the end of the mess hall scene, or when Darok or whatever the um, yeah Dar-rock, um uh, Martok's assistant comes and uh, tells Kor what's going on. Um, and it it's just takes a couple of these little scenes where it's like, I mean, it is it is pretty sad, and it is pretty, like,
1: what do you yeah, do? You, yeah, you even see that in Martok, you know, when, after he had belittled Kor, um, you know, he's in his um, ready Yeah, room. Martok
0: clearly immediately understands, and that's saying something considering how much he hates him for good reason and the very next scene he's saying to Worf, you know i've wanted to i've wanted to gloat over him being an idiot my whole life and um
1: he's had that moment
0: and i've had this moment and it wasn't so great you know mm-hmm. because i don't care who you are you can get to that point yeah you know everybody is going to age everybody's going to Age out either you're dead or you're you're aging out of usefulness. Yeah. I mean that was one of the themes of um Star Trek VI mm-hmm. uh with um um I think there's a line between Kirk and Spock's quarters and Kirk says to Spock, or no, no, Spock says it to Kirk, you know, have have we lived so long as to have outlived our usefulness? <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. When this is all you have and this is what your world is how do you how do you live with that how do you how, how can you be content with that you know yeah it's like um um I don't know I'm
2: gonna come up with a dumb example I don't wanna do that but <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I'm I'm talking a lot here what what you guys
2: got I mean I'm sure it's the same kind of thing yeah no, I'm out, with you yeah it's out, yeah. outliving one's usefulness what do you do as you age and yeah yeah
1: yeah it's um it's an old story that it's, it doesn't get old telling. I mean, you know, it's like, what do you do when you get, <clears throat> when you get to that age? How do, you, how do you find yourself? How do you define yourself? I think you, you, you put it on the head right there. That's like you, have, you start losing these things that you've used your whole life to define who you are. And you either come to a point where you come to new, new definitions of who you are as a person, or you, um, you go out like a Klingon in the glory of battle.
0: So, it's a it's bittersweet. Is this a good episode?
1: I thought yeah. so. Yeah.
2: yeah, yeah. I think so.
0: It's I'll a satisfactory kind of Klingon, um, the the core Kang uh, storyline wrap-up to me. Mm-hmm, mm mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially because... Uh, sort of Kayla What was the name of the episode where they went to find the Sword of Kalos? Sword of, oh, Kalis? Sword of Kalis. <laughs> Yeah, I think it was. Okay, good. <laughs> 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 Um, <laughs> there's, there's a reason I write the trivia questions, folks. Uh, yeah, like that episode, I remember it was a little bit disappointing um, in some ways. So it was, it was this this episode was nice. Anything else on this one, guys? I
1: think we're good. All
0: right. So six degrees for once more into the breach. What's our score? One to one.
1: I believe so. So
0: okay, um, Adam, you go in first or second? Um, I'll go second I've been going first Steve yes uh, Neil Vipond plays Darok Darok Martok's assistant that convinces his core to take Worf's place on the suicide mission in Voyager's seventh season he played Clegg a Ladogian flight instructor that is training Tom Paris after Paris violates Ladogian flight rules Tom Paris fails this safety
2: course why hmm oh, yeah I do vaguely remember this episode um I don't know. He was speeding. No, Mr. Caesar.
1: Is it that, um, he doesn't show up for class or he's tardy. Something like that.
0: Mm, no. Uh, Janeway orders him to rescue an away team, but you know, he's on his vessel with the teacher and uh, Janeway says, just go. To- he's- and so he, he says, well, we're doing something else. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So Janeway orders him to rescue the away team. Uh, all right, Adam, this is for the win. Nancy Youngblood plays Colana, the Klingon that goes from hero worship to mockery after she sees Kor's dementia in battle. In Voyager's third season, she played Talene, the Nerean that runs the prison facility that Voyager's crew are beamed to one at a time. Uh, this facility had several different habitats joined by portals. Uh, one of these is particularly uncomfortable to the Nereans. Um... And this is the habitat that Voyager's crew used to defeat the Nereans. What type of habitat is it? is it? What type of environment is it?
1: Is it an um, Arctic environment? You are correct, and that's for the game. <laughs> Very
0: good. All right. So uh, you know, I tried to go to the Fathom event this week. I have these stupid AMC passes, but you can't use them online in LA. You always buy your movie tickets online because every bloody thing sells out. But I really didn't think that movie, would, the 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 <laughs> Fathom event with Star Trek Next Gen episodes on screen, would sell out. And I thought even if it did, I'm going to get there
2: like an hour early. But mm-hmm. at an hour early, they were they were sold out. So <laughs> I did not go.
0: But Steve went, and Steve was yes. like, give us a report.
2: Yeah, I did. It, yeah, it was it was cool. I mean, uh they uh if memory serves, they started off with a a bit of background on the restoration. They had um I think the primarily exclusive part of the event was the Okuda interviews. Like they had a brief, you know, several minutes of them talking about some things. Then they showed um where no one has gone before, and then they had a uh, I guess a piece of one of the documentaries that is in the set then some more talk with the Okudas. Then they played the episode Data Lore. And then they closed it with kind of a sneak preview of the second season on Blu ray.
0: Did they show any of that
2: uh, cast roundtable that I was talking uh, yes, about? Yes. Yeah. They did show some scenes Sweet. of that. Like, yeah. Yeah. It, it so, looks really cool. How did the show look on the big screen? amazing and uh yeah it, it's 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 like seeing it all again and, and now granted I, I haven't seen especially first season next gen episodes in, in quite some time you know but it, it was quite something to see it like that i mean you know there, there are some comical things about it you know because the first season they're getting their feet wet you know and some of the the apparel and hairstyles were definitely yeah. of the yeah. time you know did, did like the audience laugh at anything yeah, yeah. There was, I'm there sure
0: was, this audience, they were all Star Trek fans, and they loved, They were there for Star Trek, but...
2: Uh, yeah, yeah, even so. And it, it, was, it was a pretty good mix of people, though, you know, I'd say, you know, older than the average moviegoer in there, you know. Um, but uh, there was only probably about maybe 30-some people in a medium-sized theater mm-hmm. in the one I attended. Yeah. <clears throat> But it was it was it was it was quite something. Yeah, it was. i was, maybe really excited about the uh, the Blu-ray set.
0: Yeah. So Amazon had the price all the way down to sixty bucks. So I mean, I did get it this week, and, and I have it. <laughs> but if our listeners know we're we're waiting to watch them <laughs> for a couple more months until we finish off DS9, and then we're going go to go into Next Gen.
2: And so, I assume you've heard the reports of some audio issues. I have not yet. Yes, opened. I have.
0: It's I not. It's I, I If they fix the discs, um, I'll i ha- I'll be happy to replace them. But worst case, I believe they have the original audio as well. And the audio problem is on maybe three episodes last I heard. Mm-hmm. But it's just in this 7.1 DTS-HD MA mix. Mm-hmm. So for those three episodes, if you just switch back to the original audio, I, I think you'd be fine. Right. Um, That's probably what I would do. That's. And this is just reports that I've read, so I'm not positive this is the case. Yeah.
1: that would seem like uh, a serious blunder. So we'll see yeah. how
2: we'll see how CBS offers of to do. I guess have they yeah. have they responded at all? No, um, I, I'm still waiting to see. I mean the the sites I go to say they're still waiting on an official response. They have acknowledged there something exists, but they're figuring they're checking out what into to do. something. Yeah, like that. Okay.
0: Yeah, that's pretty. I mean, because you got people QCing these things. Huh? That's that's it's kind of crazy that it would make it all the way through there. But you know, yeah. well, I author DVDs and Blu-ray at my job, and I'm always like, hey, if you do a five-one, we almost never do seven-one at my place. You do five-one, you check it in the <laughs> you check it in the five-one room. You never send that out without checking it because you know you listen to the five-one on them on a computer or something, you're hearing in a stereo mix. And I'll, I assure yeah. you the stereo mix of that seven, one DTS, HDMA probably sounds fine. Right. Right. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so cool. I'm, I'm jealous that you got to go. I'm jealous to any of our <laughs> listeners that got to go. And I, I well, should have just, I should have just bought my darn ticket online. Like I know I have to do ahead of time because I live in LA and everything
1: sells out here. Well, see Brian, I mean, they're having Star Trek day at Dodger stadium. I mean, of course there's a bunch of Star Trek fans up there.
0: You know, you know even to- when I, even when I went to buy my, my Star Trek seats for the Dodger, because it's not – you can't just sit anywhere. I mean, oh, yeah, I mean <laughs> you're going to see Bill Shatner. You're going to see the fireworks with Star Trek music or whatever. Anywhere, yes. But if you want the shirt, you got to sit in the Star Trek section, and that's the right pavilion only. <laughs> when I went to buy that ticket, there were only like 50 seats left, and that's out of you know hundreds and hundreds, if yeah. not thousands. It's probably thousands, but there weren't a lot left, so I'm sure they're selling out if they haven't already. All right. So I'm excited about that.
1: Um, Dodgers got to make some money. They just sold for quite a bit.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I think they're playing the. Shoot, are they play the Cubs? Maybe I can't remember. Um, so anyway, the same baseball fan, the same non-baseball fans that don't like um, <laughs> take me out to the Hollow Suite right now are like, "Okay, guys, they've already shut off." <laughs> <laughs> That's true. They've already. so <laughs> um, oh, they're going to miss the following. Thank you so much for listening. We super appreciate it. You could do us the biggest favor ever and leave a review on iTunes. That is how other people find us. Um, you can uh, visit our Facebook page. That's facebook.com slash TrekCompanion. You can send us an email, trekcompanion at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter, um, which is at Companion. Um, and... We will hear you from you soon and we will see you someday. <laughs> and um, we will be back in two weeks.
1: Alright, good night guys. See
0: ya. Bye. See ya.